Now, Father, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, that we might hear your word, understand it, obey it, and be transformed. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm delighted to be here this morning, and it's great to see all of you and uh, be here in, in this wonderful church. I'm a good friend of Ben Wagner, and um, as you know, my uh, father was also the rector here before Ben, and they are actually here today. Paul and Sue Walter are here, back, with two of my children, my seven children, uh, Thomas and Clara. Wave your hands, Thomas and Clara. So I'm glad to be here with them as well, among God's people. Uh, I am the Matt Walter, the director of the Tampa Muslim Outreach. Uh, we began this work about, I guess it's been a year and two months ago. I've spoken here before on it. And um, the mission of the Tampa Muslim Outreach is to evangelize the 40,000 Muslims of Tampa with the gospel. Doesn't that sound great? <laughs> and I think it's important. And I'm really excited because in our Acts passage today, we got, we got a snippet that is often called one of the Great Commission passages because it's a passage in which Jesus describes what the job of the church is now that he's ascended into heaven and he's going to come back someday. So Jesus tells us exactly what we're supposed to do. Isn't that great? That's good news. I've got some bad news, though. It includes witnessing to Muslims. And a lot of Americans are afraid when they think of that, or they're resentful, or they're apathetic. There are all these re this resistance in the church to witnessing to Muslims. But I've got good news for that, too. Because right in this commission, right in these words that Jesus Christ uh, uses to call the church to its, its job are the very things that enable us to do it. Even us, even little weak people like you and like me, God can use us. I hope you leave today with this in your mind. God can use me to reach Muslims for Christ. I'm, that's my goal. I'm looking at you. You're daring me to try. But I'm looking at you, and I'm believing God that you will leave today believing God can use me to reach Muslims for Christ. Okay, so that's our new goal. You let me know if it happens. Yeah, praise the Lord. All right, but I want to point out three things that I see in this. Well, first of all, let me just give you a little background, just in case you've forgotten some of the details. Tampa Muslim Outreach, mission to reach the, the Muslims of Tampa. My background is about 15 years in the Middle East, five as a kid, in Iran, that's where my family got saved. God took a Christian family, took them to a Muslim country to get them saved. Now he's taking Muslims uh, and bringing to them to a Christian country to get saved. That's how God works. And then I went to Yale University, majored in Near Eastern Languages and Literatures, took a year off between my freshman and sophomore year, and spent a year in Jordan and studied Arabic. And then uh, when I finished at Yale, I went and uh, joined the Marine Corps, became an intelligence officer, was in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and uh, then came back to the States, married my beautiful wife, Maeve, wonderful woman, um, a, a prolific marriage, as you can tell, and, um, and then went to seminary. Well, uh, actually, we went to the Middle East on a short-term mission trip, came back to the States in the 90s, went to seminary, and then we went to Jordan from 99 to 2007 for eight years. During that eight years, I ran a language school that trained missionaries in the Arabic language. So they came from all over the world, studied, at the language school and went to all over the world. The important point is, God gave me the privilege of having thousands of hours of conversations with Muslims about Jesus. And 
I kind of figured out what Muslims believed, but I couldn't figure out how to tell them the gospel in a way they would hear. Well, we came back to the States. I was a pastor for a while. About a year and a half ago, God called me and Maeve down to Tampa to reach out to Muslims again. I knew it was God because one morning I woke up and I was praying and reading the Bible and I felt the Lord say, you have something to tell your boss today. I w thought, what? I wonder what it is. I went to Maeve and I said, Maeve, God said that I have something to tell my boss today. This is a true story, by the way. All my stories today will be true. Uh, <laughs> I, said, I said, Maeve, um, I, I have something to tell my boss today. And she looked at me, she said, I know what it is. You're to tell him that God has called us to go to Tampa to help churches reach out to Muslims. And my jaw dropped open. I said, okay then. <laughs> you know, when you hear from your wife something like that, it's from the Lord. <laughs> but we had, been we had been praying for Tampa. We had been moved by the fact that God was making Tampa kind of a center in Florida for Muslim activity. Although now that I come to St. Louis, I'm realizing we're not the only city in America with some, a growing Muslim population. Are you aware? I'm being told that you have some 60,000 Serbian Muslims in this city. That God is bringing the nations to us, and he's bringing them all over. So we moved down to Tampa on faith, left our job, brought our seven kids, and the, uh, just the Lord has provided. Uh, we haven't missed a meal yet. You'll be happy to know. And, um, and God has been good to us. Uh, but, so, our mission now is to reach the Muslims of Tampa with the gospel. There are about 40,000 Muslims in Tampa. Between 2000 and 2010, the number of Muslims tripled in the city. And it doesn't look like the number is, the, the growth is slowing down. So they're, they're, they're coming. They're coming to our country. I think there are about 7 million Muslims in the United States. No one knows exactly how many. But uh, they did a count of heads in the mosques in 2010 during one of the festivals. It was 2.3 million. If there are 2.3 million Muslims in the mosques during the festival, then what about all their families and all the others who didn't make it and so on? I think the numbers are much higher. In other words, God is bringing the nations to us. And I think this is a vital opportunity for the church because who else is going to tell the Muslims about Jesus Christ? Anyway, I'll get into that. But I want to talk now about uh, the Lord's commission to his church. It says, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time uh, restore the kingdom to Israel? They had just seen him finish his ministry. He had gone through the painful death. He had suffered for the sins of the world, risen, and you know, they thought, great. Now, let's end history. Enough already. Don't you kind of feel like that sometimes? Lord, it's time for history to end, you know? Come on, make everything better. What his response to them is, no, not yet. There's still work to be done. God will decide when I come back. But in the meantime, God wants you to do something. And then he spells it out. We live, my friends, in the church age. He did not say, go therefore and sit in the pew and sing loudly. <laughs> you are allowed to sing loudly, please. I didn't mean to imply anything about this church. This, the singing here is beautiful. He did not say, go therefore and attend church activities. He says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Friends, that is why we are here. God could have ended history. He could have ended it a long time ago. He could have brought in heaven. We would have loved it. But we have a job to do. We are witnesses. But I want to encourage you. That feels like a big weight. What? You mean I have to witness to Muslims? Yes. But I've got some other things to say. Number one, we're witnesses. That should be encouraging to you. Because a witness is someone who reports something that they saw or heard. It's they, they report historical facts. Here's what I mean. Well, Jesus was talking to the apostles. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. In other words, they were going to go out and tell people all the things that they had seen and heard. That's the gospel. We believe in a faith that is historical. It's based on stuff that really happened. It's not an opinion. It's not a feeling. It actually happened. Let me read to you how St. Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then all the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. His point is this. Our gospel is something that happened in history. And so when you share with someone, you can have the confidence. It doesn't matter how eloquent you are. It doesn't matter how, if you're a scientist or if you're a housewife, or if you own a store, or who you are, you still are qualified to tell them something because it really did happen. And it's in this book written by eyewitnesses. And the interesting thing about Muslims is in the, in the Quran, it teaches them that the Bible was once get perfect, but it got corrupted over time. But it doesn't tell them how or when. So when you use the Bible with a Muslim, they will listen to you because they're not sure which parts are real and which parts aren't. You should take advantage of that. Go ahead and give them some Bible. In fact, the method that I teached yesterday to the class relies on going through the Bible. And the, the other interesting thing is that the center of the gospel is the sacrifice of Christ for our sins. Friends, no one else in the world has this piece of information except Christians. We know that Jesus Christ died on the cross to wash away all of our sins. If you talk to a Muslim and you ask them, uh, how are you paying for your sins in your religion? They'll list off the five pillars. Well, I say the Shahada, which is their creed, La ilaha illallah wa Muhammad Rasulullah. And uh, they'll say, I fast once a year during the month of Ramadan. And I pay the zakat, which is about 2.6% of your uh, income. Um, which uh, don't, don't think of changing religions because we have to pay 10 now. And then um, they'll talk about prayer. They pray five times a day. And um, 
then uh, I'm forgetting the fifth one. What does it help me, somebody? Thank you. The pilgrimage to Mecca. So they have these five pillars that they are churning out, working all the time because they're trying, they believe after death that there's a scale. God will put their good deeds on one side and their bad deeds on the other. Whichever weighs more will decide where they spend eternity or where they go. And some, they, some of them believe they'll spend some time in hell and then go to heaven and so on. But that's their, that's their destiny. And that is an insecure future because they never know how much their sins way and what the outcome will be. Friends, we know because of history. God became flesh. God walked around on the face of the earth. God endured suffering and then experienced death for our sins. Do you need any more convincing that God loves us, that he cares about us than that? Muslims have none of that and when you tell them that story and you give them that key, they will listen because they are eager to know forgiveness of sins. So we have a historical faith. Second thing we have is power. Friends, you and I are powerful. Listen to what Jesus says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in J Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He wasn't talking to superhuman people. He was talking to fishermen and to uh, ladies and to just regular old folks, a tax collector and this and that, people like you and me. He's, but he says, Jesus makes this promise, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Do you know that as a believer you have access to the Holy Spirit? Jesus Christ said, the Spirit will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And he meant through you. The Holy Spirit will use you and me. And I believe that you access the Holy Spirit through prayer. It is essential that we begin the process of witnessing to Muslims by praying, praying, praying. And I have seen this over and over again. I'm sorry, some of you have heard this story now five times. I'm telling it again. But when... Uh, <clears throat> When I was at a very discouraged time in this ministry, I got up early in the morning and I went for a prayer walk just to get everything out before God. By the way, if you ever get to a hard time in your life, I highly recommend this activity. And I poured myself out before God and I turned around at the public library and came back to my house about 10 miles. I didn't know that later that day, my wife would send me to the public library, that same one, with some of my kids uh, to visit it and uh, get them some books. So we went to the public library, and there I saw a Muslim woman standing off in the stacks, and I prayed for her, as is my habit, and I would ask you to do the same thing. Whenever you see a Muslim or someone you are aware is a Muslim, pray for them. Pray that God will preach the gospel to them, and pray that they will have the ears to hear it. So uh, I prayed for her. I said, Lord, I pray that that woman would hear the gospel today and would have the ears to hear it. And immediately she put down her books, wandered around the library, came over, sat down right next to me. I said, Lord, that's not what I meant. <laughs> and then I turned to her and we began to talk. And the Lord opened the door and there was a door for the Holy Spirit. And I just spoke just to informing her about the gospel. She had lived in the United States for 15 years and had never heard it. Let that sink in for a second. This should not be. Anyway, we talked. She didn't accept Christ there, but seeds were planted. She was interested. 
and, uh, and then I took my kids home. Another follow-up to that is that about two months later, um, I asked Thomas to pray for me. I was going downtown to, uh, to run some errands. I said, Thomas, pray that I'll meet some Muslims to share with them. He put his hand on me. He said, Lord, I pray that Dad would meet Muslims at the public library. Well, I wasn't planning to go there, but as I left the door, my wife handed me some books and said, drop these off at the public library. <laughs> so I went to the same library, walked in, looked up, there's a Muslim woman. As if, you know, what's going on here? So I prayed for her, and then I ran to the stacks to avoid her. <laughs> I came out of the stacks. She was, I couldn't see her. I thought, great, I'm off the hook. Thank you, God. I'm sure someone will be faithful to preach to her today. I walked down the library, looked up, there she was, and she was staring straight at me as if to say, when are you going to come talk to me? So I went up and talked to her as well. Turns out she had just gotten from Syria. She started to cry about the situation there. You know that country is falling apart. But God enabled me to share the gospel with her and with her daughter who was there and their their, her grandchildren. Another amazing opportunity. What I learned is when we pray, God opens a door. God opens a door. And he will use us. So that opens a door for the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit brings the power. One third story about the Holy Spirit. I, just this year, I was doing a training at a church, and I trained them on how to witness to Muslims. Well, right at the end of the training, the guy comes up to me, the well, a pastor of the church. He says, okay, let's see it in action. We've got a class of Muslims upstairs in our English as a Second Language program. Come and share the gospel with them. Uh, I thought, oh, no. <laughs> So I did a lot of praying going up the stairs, and three of the church staff went in the back of the room and prayed for me. Friends, that class was electric. I shared the gospel with them. There was laughter. There was interest. They were all engaged. Something was happening in the room that was way beyond me and way beyond the expectations of the church. There was in that room a group of Sudanese people uh, one of them was an imam, the head of you know, worship, like a pastor. And about a month later, that imam would say to one of the staff members, he'd say, you know, when Matthew came, he spoke about your religion, and then you spoke to me about your religion, and I heard another pastor speak to me about the religion. You're all saying the same thing. And he gave his heart to Christ. Isn't that cool? I didn't do it. The Holy Spirit did it through his people. And this is the kind of thing that I would like to see more and more as we pray and as we respond in faithfulness. Now, the third thing that we notice from Jesus, I've lost my place now, but that's okay. Here we go. Is he tells us who we're supposed to be sharing with. He said, um, it is not for you to know times, etc. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Wasn't that interesting? In other words, in short, the church is to be witness to everybody. No one is an exception. There are 1.63 billion Muslims in the world. Wouldn't it be convenient if we could say, oh, thankfully, God didn't mean we were supposed to reach Muslims. But God has done something really merciful to us as a church. It has been really hard. Missionaries have gone to the Middle East. They've had a really hard time. The governments are resistant. The languages are difficult. The cultures are resistant. And um, the, the, the fruit has been small, although in some places it's starting to grow now. There are revivals going on in Iran and Indonesia and other fringes of the Islamic world. But God in his mercy 
has taken the nations, now he's bringing them to the United States. They're more open than ever. When I speak to people in Tampa, it's a different experience than it was speaking to them in Jordan. When you talk to, to Muslims here in St. Louis, I guarantee there will be more openness than there ever would be in the, in the Middle East. God is moving people for his purposes. And uh, I just want to conclude my, my sermon today with a prayer. So if you don't mind, would you close your eyes? But I, I just want to ask you in the future, please do pray for the Tampa Muslim Outreach. Pray that we'll accomplish our goal. We'll reach these 40,000 with the gospel. And um, pray that I won't, uh, you know, that I will rely on the Holy Spirit and won't try to avoid God's will so much. All right? But let's close with a little prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of addressing this church today. I thank you that we're standing at a pivotal point in history when you are moving people around the world to hear the gospel. Lord, we offer ourselves to you for your purpose. I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. Let them not be afraid. Let them know that there is real power in the Holy Spirit. Let them know that Jesus will never leave them nor forsake them. May all of us, Lord, be faithful. I pray that through us, there would be sons of Ishmael, followers of that dark lie called Islam, who come to know the truth, come to meet Jesus and receive new life. Perhaps even in this building, Lord God, that you have given to my dear brothers and sisters. We pray it for Jesus Christ's sake and in his wonderful, beautiful name. Amen. Amen.